0: Hey, thanks for joining us this week as we go a little bit deeper into Matthew 6. We're going to dig deeper into that right now. Um, I just want to tell you how much we appreciate you you taking the time to press into this a little bit and hopefully it's a blessing to you. Um, I want to look back at the idea of knowledge and wisdom. That was our message on Sunday. You know what's what's the difference? What what are we going to choose? Are we going to choose to pursue knowledge or are we going to choose to pursue wisdom? And so I want to, I want to restate a couple things that we said in the message. Number one is this, knowledge is learning something new every day. We all should be lifelong learners. We all should be people who are looking around and saying, What can I learn in this moment? What can I learn from this person? I remember one time somebody told me, a a, a wise Christian mentor told me, you know, every person you encounter who is a follower of Jesus knows something about God that you don't know. And that changed my perspective because it moved me from that place of going, um, well, you know, this person's been in this song and they read these books and they understand this. And so clearly they can teach me something. But this person is a brand new Christian and they're struggling just to figure out how to read a Bible. They don't even know what translation to get. So there's really nothing I can learn from them. And I'll tell you how I learned that. I learned that from a guy who had been in prison for years, like more than a decade, And he got saved in prison. He got out of prison. He was a painter. And he started coming to our church. And I started talking to him. And he was one of those people that... You know, I'll be honest, in my, in my judgmental lens, I looked at and kind of felt like, well, you don't really know yet. You don't really understand. Plus, you, you, you're a convicted felon. I don't know what you did, but you did something bad enough for the state to say, hey, we got to put you away for a while. And, and so I, in the conversations with him, he was always excited and exuberant, which is so refreshing after you've been walking with Christ a while to encounter somebody who when they say, he saved me from myself, there's a lot of bad myselfs there that they're talking about. That he pulled me up out of the pit. No, this dude was literally in a pit. He was in a bad, bad place. And he found Christ, and Christ saved him. And he'd talk, and he'd share you know, these experiences and knowledge. And, and for you know, the first few weeks that I knew him, I'd constantly put on my theological hat and try to pick apart what he was saying and examine it with a theological lens. And then just God convicted me of that and and helped me see that although in my pride and my hubris, I was looking at this guy and thinking to myself, well, I'm way further down the road than he is. That season of talking, his name was Michael, and that season of talking to Michael probably was the best and sweetest season of spiritual growth I ever had because he brought me back to a place of being able to recognize that my knowledge of God was fine, and that's great, and you need it, but the wisdom of God is far better. And wisdom comes from experience. Michael had wisdom because he had deep spiritual experiences with God. When he was in a pit of despair, literally imprisoned, being mistreated, being, um, he even had a guy threaten to kill him if he wouldn't renounce his faith while he was in prison. And And so I learned something from that. And one of those takeaways is the best piece of knowledge I have is that everybody I encounter who knows Christ knows something about Christ that I don't know no matter who they are. So that's that's knowledge. <clears throat> and then wisdom is seeking to glean that. And so knowledge is learning something new every day, and wisdom is letting go of something every day. Wisdom is being able to say, I'm not going to cling to things that that I thought were true that now experience is telling me they're not so true. Um, you take lack of wisdom and you push it out as far as you can send it, and you land at the place of delusion, I refuse to let go of any of my preconceived ideas and notions and concepts and understandings, even though new knowledge has come in and revealed to me that I don't have a full understanding of this thing, but I refuse to let it go. That's a lack of wisdom. And so... Knowledge is learning something every day. We need to be lifelong learners. Wisdom is letting go of something every day. Wisdom is letting go of the lens, the preconceived ideas and notions that I've clung to that have made me feel comfortable in my knowledge. Because a lot of times we're taught that if we don't know something, we're in danger. There's a threat to not knowing. So I want to bring all this back to what we talked about at the beginning of the message on Sunday, which is spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines. So some of the spiritual disciplines are about acquiring knowledge. I need to know more. Bible study is about acquiring knowledge. Um, a Life group discussion questions are about acquiring knowledge. But wisdom needs to be in our practices as well. Wisdom is the letting go of what I've known to this point so that God can build something deeper more intimate, more practical, actually acting on what I know, living out my faith. And so I have to let, wisdom is letting go so that it can, the thing I let go of can be replaced with something that I can live out of more fully and more deeply, more intimately with God. So we, we gave you an example. I want to go back to Matthew uh, 6 and walk through Matthew 6 a little bit more in total, not just the verses we looked at on Sunday. So it's Matthew 6.1 starts out with, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Practicing your righteousness is another way to say spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices. So righteousness in the context of, of biblical truth, righteousness is not a word that speaks to the quality of a person's behavior, but it speaks to relationship. So Jesus was righteous because he was in perfect relationship with God. When we take on the righteousness of Christ, what's happening is we are being made uh, perfect in relationship with God. The relationship with me and God is restored because of Jesus who lived in perfect union relationship with God. So his righteousness is now my righteousness. What was his righteousness? It was perfect relationship with God. So what is my righteousness now? I am in perfect relationship with God. So, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Don't live out your relationship with God simply for the sake of being seen by others because eventually... The, the living out won't be about being in right relationship with God. It'll be about being in the relationship I want to be with, with other people. So that's verse 1 in chapter 6. Then he goes into all those things that we mentioned in the sermon. When you give, when you pray, when you fast, he talks about storing up treasures in heaven. So in essence, when you store things up, store them up in heaven, not on earth, he talks about um, don't be anxious. He talks about the, the things that lead to the don't be anxious, the practices, the practices of righteousness, the spiritual disciplines. And, and those are things that Jesus practiced in himself. So Jesus was a prayer. He was someone who fasted. He was a giver. He was somebody who stored up all of his treasures in heaven, not just most of them. He was somebody who served God, not man not stuff. And so spiritual disciplines then become the thing that creates space for me through the power of the Holy Spirit to say, I need you, the paraclete, right? Remember the Greek word paraclete. One of those aspects of the paraclete is the one who teaches. He's a teacher. He's a guide. Remember, I will, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth, into all knowing. So the spiritual disciplines that we practice create space for the Holy Spirit to bring us the very knowledge of Christ. So that's gaining the knowledge. But the spiritual practices also create space for us to let go of the things that we cling to whether that is knowledge or our previous limited experiences or our our understanding that is not full, gives us space to let go of those things so that we can live out our relationship with God. So spiritual disciplines create space, holds the world out. You know, it's not it's setting my mind on things above, not on the things of the earth, so that I can know God more fully so that I understand his invitation to transform me into the kind of person who can do what Jesus said to do. Remember, Jesus came to make us into what he teaches that we should be. So, spiritual disciplines, simply put, creating space in my busy, constant world that bombards me with things of the earth. Creating space so that I can look up to the things of heaven. I'm acquiring knowledge in spiritual disciplines. If I'm not learning something in a spiritual discipline, whether it is a knowledge of scripture that's deeper, a knowledge of God that I can relate to more fully, a knowledge of myself that invites me into repentance, I'm learning something. Space, knowledge, wisdom. Beginning to let go of the things that are obstacles between me and God that I cling to. And then finally, action. I step out and I live out of the transformed self that is being made through my time in the disciplines. The disciplines are not making me into anything, it's the time with God in the disciplines that's making me into the image of Christ. So what does that mean then about a spiritual discipline? Spiritual discipline simply then means that it is intentional. I create space. I gain some knowledge of God in this space. I let go of knowledge that's not full of God in this space. And then I act in wisdom on who I'm becoming because of this space. All empowered by the Holy Spirit all prescribed to us by Jesus himself, practiced by Jesus himself. The invitation from God to us is to become like Christ. Spiritual disciplines, practices are the way we do that. And I still think one of the best analogies I can offer is the one that I offered in our sermon on Sunday. It's about moving from a couch sitter to a marathon runner. The person who's on the couch has the potential to run a marathon if he will train or she will train to become the kind of person who can run a marathon. That potential is in me while I'm sitting on the couch eating my bag of potato chips and donuts. But if I don't create the space in my life to practice the disciplines that will transform me into the kind of person who can run a marathon, I will never run a marathon. It's the same thing in our spiritual life. The potential to be like Christ is in the person who's not going to church on Sunday, who's watching television instead of reading their Bible, who never prays, who knows who Jesus is and thinks he's a great guy and would like to be like him to some degree or another, but maybe hasn't put their uh, full weight of their lives on him. They've trusted him, they know that because of him they're going to heaven but they're not leaning fully into my life is going to stand on you and you alone. So that person sitting on the couch on Sunday morning, they've, they've said, I trust Jesus. I will put the weight of my soul on him and I'll trust him for salvation, but I still haven't put the weight of my life on him. Well, we can go to them and say, hey, you need to walk in the ways of Christ. You need to be transformed from glory to glory into the image of Jesus himself. And they can hear that and go, well, what does that mean? Well, I guess it means I need to go do the things that Jesus did. So let me love God. Let me love others. Let me give to the poor. Let me be with the needy. I'll visit the sick. I'll I'll feed the hungry. And then they try to do those things, and they find out they're not capable of doing those things. The same way I would find out I am not capable of running a marathon if I went to try to run one right now. And so once we come to that realization, have a desire to live like Jesus invites me to live, to live how he lived. And I've tried and I've failed. So what now? Well, now I go into the training regimen. I go into those disciplines, those spiritual practices that I view with intention and say, I'm going to do these things so that I will be transformed by the Holy Spirit as a result of these practices into the kind of person who can run a marathon the way Jesus ran the marathon of his life and just look like him. So hopefully that helps you understand what spiritual practices are. Now, one more thing I want to give you before we wrap this up. With all of that, what that means then is this. Almost anything I do is a spiritual practice if I go into that activity with the vision of being transformed into the very image of Christ and with the intention of seeking nothing but that transformation in that practice and with the means that I have seen in Scripture that have been given to us through Scripture that say, here is a reasonable pathway to being transformed into the image of Christ so I'll give you a ridiculous mundane example I was at a retreat one time and you, there was no talking during dinner it was it was a silent retreat and there was no talking for the whole weekend but I don't want to freak anybody out so I'll just say there wasn't talking during dinner time and I'm one of these people that constantly is looking to get to the next thing I'm always looking to get to the next thing well you all know people like that you may not know they are people like that but I'm going to tell you how to tell that they are people like that watch how they eat Because there comes a point where all I'm trying to do is get done with this meal and get to the next thing. And so as I'm sitting there, this thinking on God's presence and thinking of the sweetness of resting in the presence of Christ in all things, it occurred to me that I don't do that when I eat. I'm not resting in His presence. I'm trying to hurry through that so I can find a better presence somewhere else. Well, Jesus didn't invite me to be one with him, to be in him so that I could rush through life to get to the next place where I feel more one with him, more in his presence. So I said, you know what, I'm going to, this whole weekend I'm here, I'm going to engage the spiritual discipline of taking a bite of food, setting my fork on the table, and then chewing my food, swallowing my food, and then picking my fork up and getting more food and taking another bite. That sounds absolutely ridiculous as a spiritual discipline, doesn't it? But I did it with a vision of savoring the presence of Christ the same way I savor food. I did it with the intention of recognizing that his presence in that moment at my meal was sufficient. I didn't need the next presence that was coming that I thought would be bigger. And the means by which I moved towards that vision was a fork. So I'm hoping what you see here is that when I have the right vision of I'm going to become one with Christ, I'm going to be transformed in His very image, and I have the intention to see that happen in all things, then whatever means I use is irrelevant. And oh, by the way, everything can be a means. Washing your hands, driving your car, reading your Bible, praying speaking with your wife, correcting your children. All of those things can be a means by which I begin to be made into who Jesus teaches me to be if I have the right vision and intention in it. So I hope that helps clarify spiritual practices, spiritual whatever you want to call it. Practices is probably the best word. Let's leave it at that. I hope that helps clarify what a spiritual practice is how we go about doing it, what we need to create in the practice, and what can be a spiritual practice. So I hope that's beneficial. I hope that's helpful. But that list of things in Matthew six, really the end of Matthew five into Matthew 6, uh, give and pray and fast and store up. and, and you know those things that Jesus talks about, If you're not sure where to start with a spiritual practice, maybe grab one of those and start there. It's the ones he gave us in Matthew 6. It's not an exhaustive list. It's a sampling. But it's possible to get to the place where once I have a clear vision of what God wants to make me into, of what it looks like for me to be transformed into the image of Christ, and I actually get intentional about it, then anything can be the means by which that happens so long as the Holy Spirit's in the center of it. So thanks for watching. I hope that's helpful. Um, Yeah, Pastor James sent some great questions to you to, to walk through as a discussion time, but I'd really love it if you just kind of use your discussion time in your group as a spiritual practice. Spiritual practice to, if nothing else, say this. We are going to have a vision of the same type of community for us in our group as Jesus had between himself and the Spirit and the Father, that community of the Trinity. We want to be a Trinitarian community. That's our vision. We're going to be intentional about it by meeting regularly, by holding each other up, by pressing into presence with each other, by studying God's Word and pressing into that, by practicing it. And the means by which we're going to do that in this moment is transparent and open communication with each other. So let that be what you press towards right now. Let me pray for you. Father, we're so grateful that you have a desire that runs so deep to see us be transformed in the image of your Son, that you would do it in your power. And all you ask of us is willingness. All you ask of us is intention. And so God, I pray that the vision of each of us as believers at Temple Baptist Church is a vision of us that comes from 2 Corinthians 3, that we would be transformed from glory to glory into the very image of the likeness of Christ. And that the things we do are rooted in intention. They're not haphazard or random. But we expect, God, for that vision to be realized as we become intentional in seeking it. And Lord, I ask that by the power of your Spirit, you reveal to each of us the means that you would have us practice that would reach that, move us to that vision, that you'd reveal those means to us as individuals, but also as a corporate body, as a church, and that we would, in our intention, walk in those ways. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have a great time of discussion. We'll see you next week.